Hi, I'm Chris Bailey, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with the one, the only Mike Vardy. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. I'm Mike Vardy, and I am joined once again by my friend Chris Bailey. He is a good friend of mine. We chat more often privately than we do publicly. This is an example of that. Now, this episode, like the one previous, was recorded as a live stream for members of Time Crafting Trust Premium. We'll put a link in the show notes for you to get information on that membership program as well. We'd love to have you. Uh, during this episode, we talk about Chris's upcoming book, which is now out because we recorded this before the book came out. It's called How to Calm Your Mind. We talk about the idea of calm, chaos, uh, order, um, the word that we don't think about so much when it comes to the present, the past, and the future, and so much more. It's a real candid and rather comfortable conversation, reminiscent of the first one I had with him at Zach's Diner back in Ottawa, Canada, so many years ago. It's always fun to have a Canadian on the podcast, and it's back-to-back Canada week, uh, Canada weeks, rather, for... uh, And it's back-to-back Canada Weeks because Marie's Canadian as well. So there you have it. If you missed that episode, by the way, make sure you check the archives. We'll get to that after this conversation, though. Here it is, my conversation with Chris Bailey. Enjoy. There we go. We get a little tease intro that we've never quite had before. Um, And and, uh, it's funny, as we're recording this, for our Time Crafting Trust premium members who have early access to the podcast, one of our members is saying that we, I just alluded to the fact that I've never had a chance to meet this, the Joe in person before. We'll get together one day. It's great to get together with Chris here again. This Mm. is your, I believe, third appearance on the program with the, you know, with, with the productivity project being the first time, then hyper-focus being the second time. Now we are talking about how to calm your mind. And if you're a Time Crafting Trust Premium member, Chris already showcased the like beautiful cover and the physical aspect of the book, uh, which it looks, it looks great. It looks absolutely great. It's still so fresh in my mind because these physical copies of the book arrived yesterday as we record this. And for some reason, and I, I think it's because of the journey that led to this I don't know, product, but I was going to say product, but it feels like more, more than that to me. Mm. Um, I, I just feel like, like it, it's just more significant in my own life. Like when, when I look at the lessons that are inside of this one and not to bash the other books, <laughs> that's right. not my intention at all. Um, because those were the journeys that I went through uh, at the time in terms of focusing more deeply, becoming more productive. This, this kind of looks at productivity in a, in a different way, in a, in a deeper way where we go in, into the, the structure of our life and our work and really dissect what productivity means, how we can get there, how we can become more focused and engaged. Man, I feel like a walking, uh, talking promotional thing for the book at, at this point, but I, I'm just pumped. By, no, by, by what, what's interesting is you talk about the journey and it is fascinating when, when I yeah. mentioned, you know, the idea of the productivity project, which we met before mm-hmm. you, that we met when that book was just, you know, barely a, an idea that was coming yeah. along. Um, and then it goes to hyper-focus, which is a channeling of that focus so that you can be more productive and recognizing the different types of focus and how to leverage it. And then, but now we're into this level of calm yeah. and tranquility to a degree and even contentedness. And I'm wondering, you know, for those that have followed your work before to this point, they're like, where does it, like in the Uber, where <laughs> is it? Like, how did you get here? 
Yeah. And, and why did you go here for this particular for this particular book? Yeah, this was a tougher journey than the others. You know, in terms of hyperfocus, it was a process of becoming distracted, figuring out the research and how I could overcome that. Uh, the productivity project, when we were having uh, uh, lunch at Zach's Diner uh, in in lovely, well, it's rainy today here in Ottawa. Uh, yeah, that was before those days even. Uh, that was kind of a year-long experiment to go through all the productivity advice out there, separate what works from what doesn't. Uh, this this new project on, on Calm, Calm is not really, uh, I've never really found it an attractive endpoint. Right. It, you know, it, it, it's not a sexy productivity hack. And so I've never really been drawn to it. But unfortunately, there's a period uh, a few years ago where I fell deep into Calm's opposite, which is anxiety. Uh, anxiety is the opposite of Calm. They ex actually exist on a spectrum with one another, uh, the research shows. And I found that I was at this point where I was, I, I had these racing, these uncontrollable thoughts. I was just reactive on autopilot mode to what was uh, happening around me. I was restless. I was on edge a lot of the time. And I, I didn't really realize it until this a phenomenon of anxiety in my life erupted into a full-blown panic attack on stage in front of about a hundred people. And I remember at the time just being on stage in this fight, flight, or freeze mode, just half wanting to, you know, run off the stage. And like kind of like one of those shows where somebody just kind of walks into the ocean and then you see them distant. That that's what I wanted to do in the moment. Uh, but I, I remember the distinct feeling after this talk thinking, oh my gosh, something needs to change here. Uh, I didn't really realize I was anxious at the time until it boiled over. Uh, I didn't realize I was burnt out at the time without it boiling over. Um, I, was, I was exhausted, cynical, unproductive, and just totally uh, depleted. Uh, I think, and this is not, again, to, to put down the advice that I was giving before this. I think we actually need productivity now more than ever before because we need to be able to live and work deliberately in the circumstances that we found ourselves in. But at the same time, when we don't uh, replenish and build up our capacity for being productive in the first place, that's when we get to a point of burnout. That's when we get to a point of anxiety. That's when we get to a point of uh, of not being able to manage ourselves. Uh, and that's where I found myself. And and so I, I'm fortunate. I'm grateful, actually, for, for the journey that this panic attack set me on, even though it was uncomfortable and awkward at the time. It's now led to a lot of lessons learned that I hope other people can benefit from. I wonder as I was going through the book and, and, you know, we've had chances to converse outside of this is this idea yeah. of, we live in a world, especially I, th I would say the Western world about achieve, like achievement, achievement's yeah. a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I know that, uh, I was actually, uh, had a social media exchange with a friend of mine, uh, who was asking about meditation. And he said, how mm. do I know when I'm doing it right? Like, how do I, <laughs> it, it, it's, and it, it wasn't like he was saying, how do I win or achieve? Like, how can I check it off? And yeah, I think yeah. that's one of the challenges with calm, I would imagine, right? Is that, I mean, the other, the other work that you've dove into before this, there is this level of, I can check this off. I can achieve mm -hmm. this. I can accomplish this. Yeah. But 
there is no, to me at least, and I'd love to hear when you're, especially with the research, because you do a lot of research, mm-hmm. like you dig deep into this stuff, this idea yeah. of achieving or accomplishing calm. It, mm-hmm. There's almost like this, this, they seem to be disparate ideas or this idea of like, uh, you can't accomplish calm or I'm going to win the battle <laughs> against, you know, the, the battle for yeah. calm. Like, how does that, how do you correlate that? And how do you help yeah. someone who is so driven by achievement and accomplishment to recognize that? Calm is not only something that they need, but it's not something that they can necessarily check off on a to-do list. Yeah, it's it's more of an arrival. You know, it's it should be our natural state. And so if you're just sitting there, you know, not really tending to any conversation, you should feel calm, right? It, you should feel as though there isn't anything to worry about. There's no impending doom. You should be able to find the presence and, and the peace of mind to engage with whatever happens to be in front of you and whomever happens to be in front of you. And I, I think the key here is to realize that calm is on the same spectrum as anxiety. And this this is what one of the remarkable things about exploring the, the subtler things that make this profound effect on our productivity, calm being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to realize the extent to which Calm can help us with our productivity. We just have to look at its opposite with anxiety. Um, you know, if, if I asked you, you know, Mike, it, it, like, let, let, let's say you're doing a talk in front of a couple thousand people and 15 minutes before you go on stage, I ask you to read something that I wrote <laughs> or some journal article. There's no way in hell you're going to be able to read this thing no. um, because your mind will be uh, in that anxious state. And anxiety has this exact same effect on our mind, on our cognitive capacity all day, every day. The closer we are to that anxious side of the calm spectrum, we're a fish in water, right? We don't realize that uh, our mental state is what it is because we're so immersed inside of it. Our thoughts um, and, and our thought patterns are nested within this structure of anxiety. But when they're nested within a structure of calm, that's when we're on vacation. That's when we're, you know, a, a one weekend on, on a Dominican beach, just kind of putting our feet up. And we have that deliberateness on the side of calm. We have that capacity for focus on whatever it is in front of us. Um, we don't need productivity advice, you know, if we can bring a capacity of presence with whatever and whomever we're with. Um, and, and I think that's the key here is calm gives us a, this capacity for focus on whatever it is that we're doing in the moment. And it shouldn't be an endpoint. It should be our always point. It should be our natural state that lies underneath everything we do and everything that we are. We should be unflappable. And luckily there are these concrete strategies we can invest in, in order to uh, get ourselves there. And that leads us to a really great question from a member of the time crafting trust premium community right out of the gate. So how did you transition from your panic state to calm? There's gotta be one of those. What was the first strategy maybe that you tapped into uh, that you feel maybe, was it a series of them or is there one in particular that kind of helped you? Well, honestly, at the start of this journey, uh, and I hate that I have to give this answer, but I had no clue what to do. Uh, I really, really didn't know because I was turning to a lot of the uh, advice out there on burnout, on anxiety, and I truly found that it wasn't helping me. 
um, I, I was meditating. I was going to the spa with my wife, Art, and uh, I was ordering copious amounts of takeout on the road in order to, to treat myself. And I still found that this anxiety had the space uh, to erupt. And, and that was one of the most remarkable things, I think, about this journey that I went down. There, there's a lot of good advice out there. Uh, but, you know, and this goes back to the, the productivity project yeah. that we were chatting about a bit earlier. You know, the ratio of good to bad productivity advice, it's most most of it, maybe 60 to 70 percent of it is good, I, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it makes us back time and it doesn't always, but sometimes we feel more in control. Our head is clearer, that sort of thing. With anxiety, the ratio is kind of flipped where there is so much fluff out there, uh, where when you look at the actual scientific literature on these ideas, uh, they don't map on top of what is being talked about in articles. You know, eight ways to find calm this holiday season and (laughs) that sort of thing. Right. And make your 2023 the calmest year yet. Uh, You you don't see many journal articles referenced at the bottom of these. So that was the first place that I turned to Mm -hmm. is what is the actual academic literature on calm? And the fascinating thing that I found was there isn't much of it. Uh, there is actually very little research. There's a lot on anxiety. Right. Um, but the connection that I've made in the book is we have to see calm as, as anxiety's opposite. And there was there there have been a few studies that found that anxiety is not a spectrum that goes from highly anxious to no anxiety. We can go past the point of no anxiety, which kind of resides in the middle of the spectrum, all the way down to a state of high calmness where we become less reactive and our mind is less agitated. Those are kind of the two factors that uh, determine where we are. We relate to our uh, thoughts in a, in a more positive fashion as well. Um, and, and so I don't know if this answers the question, but there isn't a lot of research on calm. That was the fascinating thing is I had to dig quite deep in order to find it. Um, but we can, luckily we can accomplish much of what we're setting out to do by looking at this concept of a, a concept of anxiety and working our way down that spectrum. I wonder if for you, knowing you the way I do, that digging in and looking yeah. was a form of managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepasswordcom slash ConVo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. 
It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Leaning Therapy? into calm. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah. like just, I, it, it's, you know, and, and what I, I, I imagine, and I'd love to hear some thoughts on this is this idea that there's not a lot, like you said, there's not a lot of research around calm. Mm -hmm. It's such a qualitative thing that it seems hard to quantify. Right. Whereas, mm -hmm. Other areas, um, and I'm not saying anxiety is like this, but other areas of productivity per se is very quantifiable. In fact, you are, you know, you discussed like the idea of productivity yeah. advice, you know, 70%, 30%. I would almost mm -hmm. wonder if we looked at what productivity advice is gearing towards quantitative productivity versus qualitative productivity. Yeah. I wonder what that ratio would look like because to me, the and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is the idea mm -hmm. of the level, the, the relative ability for you to either maintain or maintain or find calm will have a direct correlation with, to the quality of what you're able to produce and mm -hmm. the skews I would imagine the more anxious you get. And you talk about this in the book, about the idea of the mindset of more, you tend to yeah. lean more towards anxious. So more leads to more anxiety, not yeah. more calm. Right. Yeah. And this is what researchers call an acquisition mentality. Uh, and so when we're always wanting more of what we have, we can never truly savor what we're doing in the moment. And savoring, you know, in addition to that acquisition mentality was another fascinating uh, topic that I had the opportunity to explore. And that, that's, that's the lovely thing about, you know, writing a book <laughs> is you can kind of go where you want yeah. and tr follow the, the most healthful threads in whatever research you're, you're coming across. Savoring is actually a science. And so savoring is the process uh, of converting positive experiences into positive emotions. And, and so, you know, I'm drinking a delicious cup of jasmine tea here in my CBC mug as uh, folks in the time crafting, uh, what's it called? Time crafting uh, trust premium, which we'll have a link to the membership in the show notes. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> link in the show notes, uh, friends. Um, 
you know, I'm drinking this cup of jasmine tea, but just because I'm drinking it doesn't mean that I'll enjoy it. You know, we all have these delicious meals that we scarf down distractedly in front of a, a TV or, you know, in a restaurant with somebody we can't stand. And so we're really not enjoying things. Um, and, and then we have the, the wonderful experiences that we actually pay attention to, where we convert those positive experiences into positive emotions. Uh, and the fascinating thing about savoring is the wealthier somebody is, the less of a capacity they have to actually savor their lives. Um, and men actually have less of a, an ability to savor their lives than women do. I'm, I'm not sure why that's the case, but with, with wealth, it's because when we, uh, the more we acquire, the more we wish to acquire. And it's more that drives us forward instead of, uh, instead of, a, a, a goal, you know, goal, wanting more without an endpoint in mind, uh, any goal without an endpoint in mind is really just a fantasy, right? We have to have that. Uh, again, this is connecting the qualitative with the quantitative. Um, we need to have that endpoint in mind when we're seeking more of something because there are an infinite number of currencies in our life. Uh, there's, of course, money. There's, of course, status. There's, of course, these uh, forms of currencies that are more traditionally valued in cultures like the ones we're inside of. Um, you know, if you have more followers than somebody else, uh, you're seen as more impressive than somebody else. Uh, but there are other currencies too. What about happiness? Mm -hmm. You know, it's something that we forget about. And I think happiness is what drives a lot of us to acquire more of what we have. But I think, you know, when we look at that value that the modern world has, you know, the last place we should be looking for happiness advice is the modern world. The modern world is not happy. The modern world is not present. Uh, the modern world cannot savor what it has. We walk past, we blow past the most beautiful experiences of our life without so much as even paying attention to them, let alone enjoying and deeply savoring them. And, and this is actually connected with dopamine, you know, the neurochemical that, you know, is one where I think we have to take a shot for every time it's mentioned almost uh, because so many people are talking about it. Uh, that's actually a, a less understood uh, idea as well when you look at the actual research. But it's interesting that when you look at the neurochemical underpinnings of our acquisition mentality, when you look at the uh, neurochemical underpinnings of our constant craving for more, it's dopamine. It's dopamine that drives us forward. Dopamine even has the nickname, the molecule of more by some researchers into this topic because it drives so much of that. But when you look at the chemicals that are active in our mind, when we're actually enjoying an experience, which is, by the way, what life is all about, right? It's savoring a conversation. It's enjoying a meal at Zach's Diner in Ottawa. It's enjoying a cup of delicious jasmine tea. That's happiness, right? It's, it's in savoring. Um, when you look at the chemicals that are active in that mode, it's serotonin, which makes us feel proud. It's oxytocin, which makes us feel connected. It's endorphins that gives us this rush to, to do something. Um, and a, it, those are anti-correlated with dopamine as well. It's interesting because, you know, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about my coffee ritual in the morning, right? Yeah. Like I'm not a morning person. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a night owl, 
Um, but uh, and anyone who's been following my work for a while definitely knows this. But we we all know this. Yes, yeah, we all know this by now. <laughs> so it's not new. But it's funny because my wife and I have two very different relationships to coffee. I'll use that as because it's also subjective too. Like I think that's the other big thing yeah. too is what 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 what's good for the goose isn't good for the gander necessarily. So we have two separate coffee areas in our house. My wife has hers upstairs, which is yeah. like literally Costco beans, ground up, blah, blah. Coffee for her is more or less a caffeine delivery device. Like there's yeah. no real savoring of the making of the coffee. However, yeah. she will make a cup of coffee so she can have it while she's reading, which she is safe. So there's a companion mm. element to it. Now for me, I will literally spend four to five minutes making a cup of coffee using different yeah. implementations. And to me, like there is, which I didn't realize as you're talking about, it, I'm like, this is what probably one of the reasons why I'm able to, despite the fact that I'm a night owl, mm. start my day in more of a calm state Yeah, because I'm literally fueling it with that, that ritual yeah. of, that of, of that promotes calm. So yeah. um, I wonder and- and calm mornings do lead to deliberate days. Yeah. And, you know, the fascinating thing about what you just mentioned, mm-hmm. not, uh, sorry. No, I no, 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 this is good. Let's, 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 let's go. Bring, let's go. This brings something to mind. Um, they're actually, we can savor the past and the future. Now, that was one of the most uh, remarkable things that, you know, I had the chance to encounter. There are a lot of ways of savoring the present. Uh, we can luxuriate in the present. You know, think of a cat in the sun. Um, we, we can... Uh, practice thanksgiving we can feel grateful for things we can marvel at something we can marvel at the ocean the the sky the the beautiful forest or or some nature but we can actually um savor the future as well it it counts as savoring because we do it in the present and that's called we've all done it anticipation Mm. and so when we count down the 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 days to an event for an example we actually have been shown to enjoy an event more when it does happen when we count down the days because this act of anticipation researchers um they they describe it as creating uh, effective memory traces in our mind, kind of paths that are faded in our mind mm. uh, that we can walk down once again when we experience something. And after anticipating something, our mind perceives it as though we're we're experiencing that thing for a second time which i find to be absolutely fascinating so when you have that ritual around coffee when you have that ritual around you know making your matcha green tea in the morning or walking to a coffee shop uh, across town that actually leads you to enjoy something more mm. uh, savoring the past is another thing that i love to do um, and you know the name for that uh, reminiscing. Reminiscence. Got yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good, good work. Uh, 10 podcast points for you. Um, but so looking through old photos is a great example of this. I read my journal and, every New Year's Day, January 1st. Yeah. I read the entire journal that whatever journal entries oh, I did over the last year. Yeah. And it's phenomenal. There's this quote from Jessamine West who said, those who journal get to live life twice. Oh, I love that. It's so true. It is. Because of is. reminiscence. Yep. And yeah, we, we enjoy, our, our life becomes more meaningful when we reminisce on it. And so savoring, you know, makes us more calm, but it also makes us more deliberate. 
and we enjoy experiences more. It's one of my favorite things. And what one tactical thing people people can do, make a saver list uh, if you find this to be a challenge. And if you're driven a lot by this acquisition mentality, if you have a lot of dopamine-driven behavior, like engaging with a lot of uh, digital distraction, uh, this might be more of a challenge or, or a chore than it is uh, something that produces satisfaction. But that's exactly the point of doing it, is we can, uh, savoring is actually a skill we can get better at but make a list of everything that you love to savor or that you used to savor before your mind was more distracted and overwhelmed and maybe even uh, more anxious you know everything from the tea to the coffee to the the wine fueled cribbage nights with your wife you know whatever it might be uh capture it all pick one thing every day and enjoy it it's, it's great what i love about savoring too is it is almost it's it's permissiveness to be present and yet yet savor things that live outside of the present moment. So you are present, but not, but you're looking at, like you said, the past and the future. And what I also like about it is no one says savor the minute they say savor the moment. Like, so (laughs) moments are (laughs) no one like you, you saying make a list and stuff like that adds a quantitative element to a degree. Like Mm -hmm. there's 14 things or whatever. And that's fine, but you don't, it's moments, right? And moments are, it's weird because a lot of people will say, and I know in Chip and Dan Heath's book, The Power of Moments, um, they I don't think they ever really define like this is how long a moment is because it's mm-hmm. so subjective. And yeah. so and we're gonna get to a question here in a second from Edward in the community, but yeah, the idea of in your research, have was there a was there an objective definition or was there a way for people to quote know that they are living in calm or in that, mm. that, that state, because we, you know, uh, uh, we all know that humans need both certainty and uncertainty. There's, there's that balance there, yeah. but there, there's a comfort in feeling a certain way or being yeah. in a certain way so that you can grow from that point and to have that mm-hmm. validation. So yeah, did you find anything like that or is it, or are there yeah. ways to maybe try to not manipulate, but, but lean into it yeah. a little bit more? It changes so much that I think it's impossible to measure overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, anxiety comes opposite. We, we have state anxiety and trait anxiety. So uh, trait anxiety is what produces anxiety disorders, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, it, it's not something I focus a lot in, in the book on right. uh, because I'm not a psychotherapist. Um, but it, it's that... that um, that state anxiety that is brought on by the events of our life that it's impossible to, to avoid. Right. Right. We yep. all have stressful moments in our life. And if you went back through time and removed every single stressful moment from your life, you would eliminate pretty much all of the meaning from your life as well. Uh, your wedding is probably stressful. Yep. Also, probably incredibly enjoyable. Hopefully, well, and, um, and you remember the enjoyable parts more than say the stressful parts in those moments. Yeah. Whereas in other situations, you remember the stress more than the than the not stress, right? And there's use stress and yeah. regular like so. There's yeah, and you can't identify what those are necessarily at that point in time either. Yeah, and there, there's a, a great quote from Sonia Liebermersky where she has said that uh, vacations are never perfect, but we remember them as perfect. It's this rose-colored glasses effect. Uh, and we need the the meaning. 
that stress provides. We don't want to remove our weddings and our vacations and our, uh, you know, births of, of welcoming kids into our life and, you know, that sort of thing. So we need a bit of anxiety, I, I would even say, mm. uh, because we need stress. Uh, you know, and it's it's that distinction that that you made that dichotomy that dichotomy between uh, eustress and distress, mm-hmm. where eustress is this stress that makes us grow, um, and and another kind of distinction that I think is worth making is between acute stress and chronic stress, and so chronic stress is it's the bad kind, right? If acute stress is the once off traffic jam on the way to the airport, chronic stress is the constant traffic we experience every damn day on our way to work. Right. It's the irreconcilable feelings we have when we just look at some, it's, it's, it's the stress we experience when we look at our bank account and just get frustrated every time. Uh, chronic stress is what causes burnout. Uh, and that was, that was an important connection that I, I personally made in this journey is understanding what burnout really is because you didn't Um, know you didn't know you were burnt out did you i I had no idea uh and (laughs) it it wasn't until i I took the maslach burnout inventory christina maslach is probably the world's foremost foremost researcher on the subject of burnout Uh, i had the chance to uh, chat with her a few times over the course of writing the book and read every single journal article that she's ever written as well to to connect those and and filter them through my own perspective. And one misconception that I had was what burnout even is. Uh, We think of exhaustion as burnout, just when we're totally depleted. But looking at the research, exhaustion only is a third of what it means to be burnt out. Uh, There are two other factors that we must have in order to be burnt out at the same time. Uh, We need exhaustion, right? That feeling of just being totally depleted. But we also need to be cynical. Uh, You know, this negativity that, that we have, regardless of whatever it is that we're doing. And we also need to feel deeply, profoundly unproductive. Um, This sense of inefficacy is a third attribute of burnout. And the research shows that the more chronic stress we have in our work and our life, mostly our work, burnout has been traditionally defined as a, a workplace phenomenon, though of course, it's impossible to distinguish between these environments as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fascinating. There, there are six areas of our work that contribute to this phenomenon of burnout, but it's the chronic stress that comes from it all uh, that contributes to this exhaustion, cynicism, and feeling unproductive. So those three factors are a great sign to look at these six uh, areas, but it comes back to chronic stress, this stress that often we choose to pay attention to ourselves. Um not realizing that we're engaging with stress in the first place sometimes. As we get close to wrapping up, I want to make sure that I address the questions that are coming from the premium yeah. members of our community. Edward asks, if anxiety is to chaos as calm is to focus, where are we most productive and why? That's an interesting question. If anxiety is to chaos as calm is to focus. Now that's, that's a big, that's the first part. I think there's two questions there. Is that true? Did you find that to be true? I'll tell you that like, it's interesting because you guys know that are watching this live that are members. And Chris, you know this because I talk about the Marvel cinematic universe all the time. Vision said, 
there's this quote where he says, humans are odd. They think that chaos and order are different things, but they're not. And then the idea of balance yeah. is Dr. Fate's another example where he, people say, oh, he yeah. works for the lords of order. And uh, he goes, no, yeah. no, he works for balance. He doesn't work for order because without chaos, you can't have order. And without order, you can't like they're, they're almost two sides of the same coin. So my question, I guess that's an that's an adjunct. Yeah. Is anxiety the chaos, and is calm to focus? Are they like? And then, if that's the case, yeah. where are we most productive, and why? Well, I, I think calm gives us a capacity for chaos. So that that would be the connection that okay. I would make. Okay, is calm is the ground that we should be standing on, where regardless of what our situation actually is we feel as though we're engaged with it and that we don't have anything to worry about. So, you know, I I look at calm in this book from that mental state Mm. where how many thoughts are tugging at our attention in the moment that are, you know, there's task related thoughts, which are about the thing we're engaging with and task unrelated thoughts that are, Oh, wait, I should worry about this <laughs> or I should remember this cringeworthy thing I said eight years ago. Um, yeah, I, I think calm gives us a capacity for chaos. And ultimately with a calm mind, it, it doesn't really matter if things are chaotic or if things are uh, order and, and they have a place, you know, it's, and the, it's like, it's like, it's like the clouds in yeah. the sky, you know, I, I start the, the, and I want to get it right. I, I start the, the book off with a quote and that quote from, um, from Pema Chodron is you are the sky, uh, everything else. It's just the weather. And I, I think this quote encapsulates what this, uh, kind of calm means where things ca- happen, you know, things that are stressful happen, things shit happens. Mm-hmm. It's what uh, we need the mental capacity to deal with it all and not be bothered by it. And that's what calm gives us. Chris, there's a lot that we weren't able to cover during our conversation yes. today. And it's, and, but that, that could be said for when we've chatted about hyper-focus and the productivity, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the, the, the depth and, and, and breadth even, but more so depth that you go into with this book um, and any of the work you've done, like it's, it's something you need to dive into. I mean, we, we talk about, you talk about analog, you talk about stimulation fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I strongly encourage people to pick up this book, but the last question I have for you, and this is related to a story that I said when I accidentally misquoted the title of your book during a conversation we had, and you were quick to correct me. And I want, and, oh. and so I said, Chris, your next book is called how to be calm. You go, no, no, no. How to calm your mind. So the, it it brought me immediately to the thought of the advice that you get where you should never say to somebody, calm down. Cause it's like literally the opposite thing. The opposite will happen. I didn't think of that. Thanks for the suggestion. (laughs) So, so when I said how to be calm and you were quick to correct me, I know it's probably a, the title of the book was, but that's not something that is just so. I guess the point is it's not easily done and you can't just quote, be calm. The idea of Mm -hmm. the mind being calm is what you're getting at. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we deserve a calm mind. You know, it's not that it's a nice thing to have. Um, We need a calm mind to deal with the world right now. 
You know, there's so much changing. There's so many threats that we're constantly exposed to. There's uh, the chronic stress that we choose to pay attention to. There's news, there's social media, and all this creates a confluence that leads to overwhelm. And we feel like we are not in the driver's seat of our own lives. Uh, or at least this is how I felt at the beginning of the journey. Again, it's a spectrum everybody that everybody exists at a different place on. But you, you deserve a calm mind, right? You deserve the fortitude to, to deal with whatever comes your way. You know, you deserve to have solid ground that you're standing on and you deserve to have a capacity for uh, accomplishing the things that you set out to do. You know, you deserve to have the ability to accomplish more of whatever currencies you set out to, to savor your life. And I, I think that's, you know, why focusing on the mind is such a, a powerful thing. You know, if somebody says, hey, yeah, calm down, that's not advice we can take. Uh, but when you look at the actual, there is actual science for overcoming an anxious mind and moving towards the calm side of that spectrum and by acting in accordance with it. Uh, we actually bring these ideas down to the surface layer of our life to the moment, not the minute, the moment, and can actually make progress towards this, this, this ideal uh, ground to stand on. So I think, uh, I think the mind is the key here. The key also is to pick up the book, how oh, to calm your oh, mind, finding yeah, like, presence like. and productivity in anxious times. Chris, where can people pick up the book and where can they keep up with you and your work? Yes, sir. Well, thank you for having me on the pod once more. Uh, third time, hopefully, is the charm. Well, we're going to have to do one of these when I don't have something to promote. Yeah. <laughs> so you can just hang out. It feels out. like it's a late night talk show every time we get together. Hey, this latest yeah. book is... <laughs> yes. Um, uh, the, out of anything I've ever written and anything I've ever created, I am most proud of this book. Um, and I don't say to that to sell you on it. Um, uh, this journey has helped me uh, immensely. It's it's actually it's changed my life uh, legitimately, uh, and so I hope you'll consider picking up a copy. How to calm your mind? Uh, wherever books are sold, I, I read the audiobook myself, which was a lot of fun. And yes, now out in bookstores anywhere. I think we're up to ten languages as well. So if you live um, international, I, I say internationally, but there is no geographic center of gravity in, in the world. Uh, if you live in a non-Western English country, um, chances are it's it's in your preferred language if you have one that isn't English. So and yeah, it's chrisbailey.com, so right? chrisbailey.com. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, the website, chrisbailey.com. Excellent. And by the Not way, calm. by the way, calm. Uh, we already had, just as we wrap up, somebody who's been paying attention and, and listening to our conversation that it's a member of Time Crafting Trust Premium has picked up a copy of the book. They just let oh, us know. Chat. Thank so you very you much. Go. There you go. Chris, it's, thanks so uh, much for taking time to have a productive conversation with me today. Thank you, Mike Barney. It's always fun to talk to Chris, and I'm really excited about this book. It's How to Calm Your Mind. You can check it out. Just go to productivityist.com slash podcast 457, and you'll be able to find the link to purchase the book as well as other links we discussed. And the link, of course, to Time Crafting Trust Premium, which I mentioned off the top of the show. Another thing I mentioned off the top of the show is how you could easily find Marie's episode, which was last week, if you're a subscriber to the podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, 
now is the time to do it. Whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, wherever you are listening to podcasts, hit the subscribe button. That way you don't miss a single episode of what's to come. Next week, Alan Henry. Alan worked at Lifehacker while I was working at Lifehack. So it's going to be a great conversation. He's got a book out that I really enjoyed and it's a fantastic conversation. You don't want to miss it. So subscribe to the podcast. That way you don't miss a single episode. Another way to help me and the podcast keep the lights on and keep things moving forward is to check out the sponsors that you heard on today's episode. So just go to productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors to check them out, explore them. And that way they know that we sent you. And that's it. That's the end of this episode. It's time for me to go and calm my mind a little bit and uh, move forward the rest of my day. I'd like you to move forward with yours as well, hopefully with some productive activity, maybe some calming stuff as well. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.